And then I was just thinking, oh, this is perfect because I can hire her and she can add this expertise to the group. She's going to be available when I'm not going to be available. And she sort of helps to like provide that broad perspective. So that's sort of how I think as a business owner. And I think one of the reasons Cody and I have been able to be successful pretty quickly, because we're always trying to make it about what the customer wants and then also trying to scale ourselves out of the business. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. You know, if you've been following me for a while, or if you've been with me all the way back in the beginning where I went through my debt payoff journey, you know I am a huge fan of side hustles and women, men, whoever, but especially my girls, doing a little something to make themselves extra income on the side. I started my blog. I did everything I could to find ways to make money on my own terms, which is why I'm so excited to sit down and talk to today's guest. I'm going to sit down with Julie from Gold City Ventures. She found a way to start making income on Etsy and has just taken off. Um, Not only that, but she got started with the FIRE movement and working really hard to simplify her life, to pay off debt, which is just right up my alley. So if you have ever considered learning how to make money on your own terms and what it really takes to start a side hustle and turn it into a potentially six-figure business like she has, you are definitely going to want to tune in to today's episode. Hi, Julie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to be able to chat with you. Um, I know we've kind of talked a little bit before, but I'm glad to be able to sit down and really dive into your story today. It would be super awesome because I know um, my listeners would love to hear it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So you, you have uh, business. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we get started? Sure. So I run Gold City Ventures and we've helped over 10,000 people start digital product businesses on Etsy. So think checklists, social media templates, kids games, Valentine's Day cards, you name it. I've seen people sell it and it's been really fun. Uh, that is so awesome. And what I love about you is we kind of stumbled upon this accidental meaning that we both we're kind of a part of, you know, 
the fire community, if no one knows the fire community is financial independence, retire early. Um, and it's this whole community that a lot of people don't know about where people really strive to work toward like an early retirement or a lot more freedom and flexibility in their lives. And that's kind of where the business stemmed from. Is that correct? Yes, 100%. So back in 2015, I was thinking I was doing well, but then had a lot of student loans. And I ended up getting engaged to someone that also had a lot of student loans. And then together, we were researching how can we get rid of this debt? And we worked really hard to pay off our, our original debt. But then we started learning more and more about this community called Financial Independence Retire Early or FIRE. And more than the goal to pay off the debt, we had this big goal now, we're going to save a million dollars and we're going to leave our jobs. Because at the time we were in our 20s and we loved hiking. We lived in Colorado. We loved going to breweries with our friends. We loved skiing and doing all these things. And we were thinking, I'm sitting behind a cubicle at my desk for the majority of my week when I could be out in the sun doing all these things that we love. And now that I'm in my 30s and I have a family, what we consider financial independence and freedom, is it's a totally different lifestyle than what I thought I was aiming for necessarily. But it ended up being that North Star that guided me to start all these side hustles on top of my day job. So yeah, that's really where our story begins. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And you're right, you know, like our life priorities shift, but ultimately just that decision of getting to decide what your life looks like rather than like allowing a boss to decide for you. So how long, so I was just thinking about this today and talking about it with other people was part of our minimalist journey included our debt payoff. You know, it was like, let's simplify as much as of all of the stuff that doesn't matter so that we can afford to create a lifestyle of the things that do matter, right? Kind of aligned with what you're saying. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, because a lot of times people say, when I talk, tell them that we downsized our house, they'll say, oh, well, that's great that you had a house that you could downsize, you know, that kind of thing. And really, you know, our house didn't make us all that much money. I can, I can make all the arguments for myself. But I understand that that's not something that people can just naturally maybe do. You know, they can't just downsize a house. And, you know, the housing market today isn't exactly something anybody wants to get into, you know. So what did you do without doing the downsizing, with all of that stuff, to like kind of simplify what did you cut back on? What did you decide wasn't important so that you guys could pay off that debt, save that million uh, and get to that point of more financial independence? So I think for everyone, everyone has their own personal place of where they're starting from. And unfortunately, some people are starting from a place that's a little bit harder to dig into this process. But, and it can be easy to say, well, this person had X, Y, and Z benefit and whatever. But at the same time, there has to be a point where if you really want the financial independence, you just got to focus in your own lane and take stock of your own situation. So that's what my husband and I did. So we were the spreadsheet people that looked at every single asset that we had, whether it was cars or furniture or whatever. And then we looked at every single liability and it was credit card debt, student loan debt. We had a mortgage, we had all those things. And then we went through and we cut and trim the fat just like everyone else. And I did sacrifices at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about being in my 20s. So I was getting invited to bachelorette parties. I was getting invited to out-of-state weddings. So I would turn down those opportunities, et cetera. Now, at that time, that's what I needed to do at that time. 
That being said, though, when we, you and I have had this conversation about the nuance of the fire journey, that path is not for everyone. That's the save more path. Yeah. And after doing that for a few years, we paid off our student loans, but then realized, okay, well, what's next? And everyone has a different personality. But for someone like me that I really get jazzed about online business, I was kind of jazzed about my career. For someone that wanted to walk away from corporate America, there are things I didn't like about it. But I genuinely, most days, I thought it was fun what I was doing in my job and I I enjoyed working. So I'm more of the earn more fire person. And I had to discover role models in the personal finance community that were more like me there. Because you can only cut out so many lattes. At the end of the day, if you don't make enough money, how are you going to become a millionaire? Like point blank. And that's kind of the, the end of the story for me. So for me, what that meant was, okay, well, I need to get higher paying jobs. And at the time, I was sort of dabbling, starting to be interested in tech. And I knew that tech was a high paying career field. It had a lot of job prospects. I'd be very hireable. So I got an online master's degree in computer information systems. I didn't go computer science all the way, but information systems was also kind of an adjacent booming field. It's kind of like data analysis. Everyone knows big data, heard those big buzzwords. I knew that that would be a marketable skill set to have. So I, I did it, but it took me forever. It took me like four years because I was trying to go the fire way where I got it reimbursed by my employer and I didn't want to overwhelm myself with too many classes. So I did that. But then when I came out of that with the degree, I was suddenly more marketable, marketable in a higher paying field. And then I sought out opportunities to kind of go to these conferences and network and really put myself out there and ended up meeting someone that worked at a giant tech company in Silicon Valley. And my husband and I, as much as we loved Colorado, we had great friends there. We just said, let's go. And we're going to pursue this path. And us working in the heart of tech at a tech company is going to get us closer towards our goals than staying where we are, even if we are kind of comfortable. So we've reinvented ourselves multiple times. We moved to four different states in the first five years of our relationship. And we've been together 10 years now. So we we redid the whole thing together. Um, But yeah, that's been my kind of journey. So as I go about this fire journey, I went from someone that was like, let's budget down to the dollar to actually acquiring skills that give me a higher return on my time is way more valuable for me. So depending on where someone is when you're listening, if you're at the beginning of your journey, you probably have to be budgeting line by line. but depending on where you're at, you actually may be at the point where you have to start transitioning towards more the abundance mentality versus scarcity mindset. And if you want to reach the big numbers and the big revenue goals, you got to go after some big rings. And if you want to win, uh, that's how I personally did it. Now, everyone has their own fire mentor or person that they follow. But for me, it had to be more of the earn more people and the save more at a certain point. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, this was literally just a conversation I was having two hours ago. Uh, you know, the where I, we started with the Dave Ramsey, save, 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 cut, cut back, cut back. And it started to feel almost um, anxiety-inducing um, to kind of cut back so much. But I also think, like you said, people, you need the discipline and understanding your finances. You, that's something you've got to learn, especially, you know, we didn't. Um, and then, yeah, making that shift to more of the abundance. And for me... I, you know, I didn't go to school for tech or anything like that. That sounds awful. Like, I love that you loved it and had fun with it. Yeah. I had fun with this. And I'm like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> you know? But I, I started to learn the same thing about online business and all the benefits of it and the passive income that could be earned with what I started was a blog. Um, so 
what made you shift from, you know, being like in Silicon Valley mindset of every, around everything like that to switching to Etsy? How did that transition happen? So I, and this is such a weird thing, but people are different things at the same time, right? So at the same time that I was this corporate person, but on my nights and my weekends and my lunch breaks, I'm listening to 20 podcasts a day, getting ideas about online business. And it wasn't like I fully felt that one jazzed me up more than the other, but I did. I wasn't willing to let the online business go because I genuinely loved it. And when I was working in Silicon Valley, I was working at a giant company where your number one mission every day when you wake up has to be that company. And it's not like, I mean, they did require it of you, but it was like, you needed to, in order to make it there, you had to focus hundred percent. And my coworkers were all focusing. And here I am listening to a podcast about how to start an Amazon store, making a fraction of what I made in my actual day job. Yeah. But I just wanted to be both of those people. I just knew that I'd be limiting who I was and my growth potential if I only was the corporate person. So I had to, I knew I had to move to a different job that allowed me to explore these other sides of myself while also being able to do my day job. So it had to be more of like a nine to five, shut it off at the end of the night than a stay up till 10 because you you truly have to, to be on your game the next day. Yeah. So I ended up moving to a different job. Now I moved to another company that's another tech company. So it wasn't like I went to a complete easy company. I mean, it was hard too, but it gave me just that little bit more flexibility. So I was learning as much as I could about online business. And for me, going to all these bachelorette parties in my twenties, I had been shopping on Etsy. And I was more interested in selling on Etsy than selling on Amazon. And I thought it was cool. And it was starting to be kind of the hot trend. So I came up with this idea to sell temporary tattoos. And then ended up being a great idea because people buy tattoos in packs of 20. And compared to these other Amazon businesses I wanted to start, I didn't need to store, I had like a tiny apartment, I didn't need to store 500 vacuum cleaners in like a warehouse yeah. <laughs> tattoos you put in a box under your basement you know in your closet or under your bed or wherever um, you could have thousands of them and getting the manufacturer was only a couple hundred dollars so at that point I was I was starting to shift where I'm like I was willing to pay more to you know invest in starting a business but I still didn't want to invest like thousands like I, I, think, I think I paid like 500 or 600 dollars for these tattoos yeah. so I was starting to do that and through the process, I was getting more brave in my business. So for example, I was living in Seattle and the Women's March was coming through and I was selling Bachelorette, but some of my tattoos could actually be applicable to the Women's March. So I showed up, I didn't even know, like, do I need a permit? Whatever. My husband and I like showed up, he, he like came with me and we showed up with a poster and said like three tattoos for $5. And I put them on my face and then like people... I got like a square app. I literally Amazon prime now it that morning. And I had people like make sales of this tattoos when I was there without like a stand or anything. And it was just like such a freeing thing. After an hour in the Seattle rain, I was like, all right, I actually don't really care if I make like 200 bucks a year. I just like the fact that I just did this. I'm just a different person now. Like I'm forever changed, but I just stood up. I asked for money from people. They paid me. I gave them the product. And it, it was just like such a weird, cool feeling. So now I constantly flex my muscle. And I mentioned this because a lot of people are very uncomfortable when they're trying to start their own online business, putting themselves out there. Nobody wakes up and is there com they're comfortable. You need to like flex this muscle and learn how to do it. And even when you're uncomfortable, push past it. Because if you want to emulate or be like someone you see that's five years down the road from you, they had to put in that awkward time and the effort and everything. So you can't just like skip to the end and avoid this. It has to be done. And it's just like anything where you just practice. So I just mentioned that if someone's starting out in there, like, oh, I want to do online business, but I feel weird about it. We all did, but that's how you get through it. Yeah. 
I absolutely love that because, you know, you're, you're right. And I, I think it's like, you know, you talk about it like pushing your comfort zone kind of thing, but at the same time, like t- share about how it was so amazing and so wonderful for you. You know, I think a lot of times we hold back because we think um, it's going to be somehow bad or somehow scary or we're going to, you know, like there's like that part of our brain that thinks it's going to be like a bad thing to do when in reality it ends up being this like really incredibly freeing awesome empowering thing so that's so cool to hear and kind of funny you took you took it offline and i i think that's very much like an entrepreneur mindset you know that it doesn't have to just be this one way getting creative and coming up with new ways to make money in a way that's fun and exciting for you that's so cool so then i know you know we've kind of talked about your original desire for fire was to be outside and do all the fun things and now it's kind of more centered around family but you've stumbled upon a partner in business who is doing the travel and doing all the the, the child-free currently life mm-hmm. stuff. So do you want to talk about how you kind of met him and how you guys kind of forged Gold City Ventures? So my business partner, his name's Cody Berman, and he's awesome. We met because we both had fire podcasts. And I had a podcast for a couple of years. I shut it down a few years ago in the pandemic because I had to pick my side hustles. And I had, I picked Etsy. I could not do them all, but he had one too. And we interviewed each other and he would, Cody is seven years younger than me. So I'm going to be 34 pretty soon. Cody just turned 27 this week. So we're, you know, when we started our business a few years back, he had just graduated from college and I was that young, late, I guess, late twenties, early thirties professional. And I saw him kind of as a go-getter college student, but I also, he was messaging me and I'm like, who is this kid that's messaging me like (laughs) wanting to start a business? But he's, he's just that type of personality. And I think we can learn a lot from people like that, that they just put themselves out there and they network. And at the time that he was reaching out to me, he had also reached out to other people that were already blogging and podcasting in our space in the fire community and kind of just asking, like, instead of saying, how can I help you? He would, he would like offer to like do something. So for me, he offered Hey, let's like do this course together because I'm at the time he had left his corporate banking job six months in out of college to be a freelancer. And he was working for Grant from Millennial Money, who's a big person in our space in the finance, financial independence movement space. And Grant needed a virtual assistant. Grant needed someone to help him promote his book for a book tour. And Cody like offered to do it. And Cody quit his job and lived in a Volkswagen camper van and they traveled all around the country together. And I just think that's like, just, that's just who he is. He's that type of person that takes risks. So he did this with Grant and then he's messaging me, wanted to do a course. So we decided, okay, well, let's do a side hustle course because at the time I was working at Amazon and I was also making, I think I, like in 2019 or the year that we launched the course, I was making $67,000. I just checked because my accountant and my financial professional were doing my numbers and they're like, oh, how much did you make, you know, back in the day? And I made $67,000 on top of my day job from all these digital side hustles, blogging, podcasting, Etsy, all that stuff. Um, so Cody and I were like, well, let's, let's do what we know how to do. We know how to do blogging. We know how to do freelancing. and We know how to sell on Etsy. So let's teach people these things. So we, we launched these three courses together, a recorded video series. And I had, my passion was Etsy. He, his passion was freelancing. And we both were bloggers. But over the course of the years, we kind of dropped the other side hustles to focus on helping students sell on Etsy. And there's really a couple of reasons for that. The first one is that the students' goals, they want to make money sooner. Well, yeah. blogging, as you know, and a lot of people know, it takes forever. 
And if you're not a techie person, learning plugins, getting everything all set up, that's hours and hours of work that don't result in a dollar to you necessarily. Right. Whereas Etsy, it's like they already have the whole game set up for you. You just got to log on and like list things. It's not, it's not as simple as I'm making it sound. But when we saw in practice, because we were selling these as side hustle courses, which students were making money and which students weren't faster, the Etsy students were more successful faster. Now, okay. theoretically, the bloggers probably could make more money down the line. But when people want a result from a course, they don't want to wait oh, well, let's see what happens five years later. They want to know yeah. what happened five weeks later. So we started focusing on Etsy. And then also just kind of going with the trends of the time. Freelancing, people didn't want to change, trade their time for money. So even though you can do what Cody did, which was offer to freelance for other people that are business owners in the spaces they need, people just don't want to work that way anymore. They want passive income. They want to pick their schedule, et cetera. So we saw like less demand for that. And then Etsy was becoming super popular. And it was like, well, why run uphill when we can run downhill? Let's focus all our efforts on there. And I love it. He became an Etsy seller too. And we both have thousands of sales on Etsy and that's kind of become our main thing. But that's how it all started back in the day. Yeah, that's so crazy. And I love your mindset in the sense like, um, you know, when I talk about like minimalism and things like that, I always talk about just like kind of trimming the fat, getting rid of anything, you know, that kind of thing where you had these two you're trying to teach people blogging, trying to teach people essay. And it was like, you know what? Blogging's the dead weight. <laughs> we want to help people actually get to where they want to go. We see, you know, just throughout your story, I hear all of these ways, all of these things that you were like, nope, that's not going to work. Nope, that's not going to work. Nope. You know, and kind of cutting it out. And I'm personally somebody who minimalism benefits me so much because I struggle with that. I'm like, I have to do all the things. I have to keep all of these balls up in the air, you know, where you were like, needed to cut the podcast and folk, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think that's really admirable. It's really cool. But in, it creates momentum, though. The more stuff you're willing to shake free of and let go of, you know, can really help you accelerate toward where you want to go. So that's that's what I hear when you say it. I'm like, God, you make it sound so easy. Like, I just am, I'm getting better at it. I shouldn't even say I'm getting better at it. But uh, it's really cool to hear um, and to know that you found a partner who kind of helps you think that same way. Um, that's really, really awesome. So. Okay. So yeah, I started the blog and my goal was just a thousand dollars a month. It's like my first mini goal and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it did, it took a while to get to that point. You know, some people have major success right away and whatever. So when you're sharing like people, you cho chose to stick with Etsy because people were getting quicker results or better results and stuff like that. And like you said, side hustle, that's what people want to do. And I know there's so many people who want to be able to use their creative abilities as well, you know, kind of Etsy, it's, it can be a more fun, I'm a always artsy person. That was always kind of an interest to me, but I never thought it was possible to make an income from it. Um, so my biggest question, I guess, would be like, if someone were to get started on Etsy today, if they're going, okay, well, I kind of like Etsy, I like creating stuff, but like, I have no idea what to even make. What do you think are like the best products for people to even get started doing? I think the best thing that they started with is a seasonal product because okay. when you shop on Etsy, and I don't know if you've ever bought someone a gift on Etsy, usually it's a gift for a special occasion. It's a gift for a certain person. It's a holiday. It's an event. There's a reason that you're there. And from the seller side, Etsy, when you actually list a product, it makes you select. Is it for Halloween? Is it for somebody's first communion? Is it, what is this thing? And they have different choices. And it's almost like they're kind of telling you 
these are what people are looking for. Because Etsy, it's not like Shopify that has a monthly fee. It's free to sell on Etsy. Now, it's 20 cents a listing and then you pay a transaction fee. But if you just put something up on the platform and it doesn't sell, you're not going to be in the hole like a significant amount of money. Yeah. And when I was getting started, I actually sold on Shopify too. And I was getting annoyed because every month I was getting billed like 30 bucks and I wasn't making the sales and it was stressing me out and everything. Whereas on Etsy, it's just, they have 90 million customers. You can just put something up and see what happens with it. And they get paid when you make a sale. So they're encouraged to try to get you to make a sale and give you ideas of what to do. So if I were somebody that was starting out, start out with seasonal, just an example, Valentine's Day recently went by and I bought products on Etsy for Valentine's Day. So my husband, um, I was talking to my best friend via text and she said, oh, I, I got my husband this card and, and dawned on me, I'm 37 weeks pregnant. I'm like, I didn't get my husband a Valentine's Day card. And then I did, couldn't remember, do we exchange Valentine's Day cards? I don't know. I can't, I couldn't even <laughs> remember the last like five years. I don't know what we do. So I went down to the basement where I have my computer and printer and I went on Etsy and I typed in Valentine's Day card for husband and I found a digital one and printed one out for him, folded it, put it up so that when my, after my daughter went to bed, he came downstairs and he was like, oh, like you got me a card. I didn't get you a card. And then I'm like, Ooh, well, now he feels bad. But I did that in two seconds and it was just like such an easy experience. And this, I was doing it a couple nights before because my daughter, she exchanges classroom cards for Valentine's Day. And it's popular for people to buy the printables that you can print out on cardstock, cut them up and have your kid take them to school. So, I mean, I guess like printables are just becoming more and more part of our life because we're not like going to stores in our cars the same way as we used to. Some of us still are, but it's it's changed a lot over the last couple of years. You don't need to. You can just kind of DIY it. More people want to DIY it because they think it's cute. So I would say like start with seasonal stuff. Um, you know, unless you're like very specific trade and there are printables for doulas, there are printables for speech language pathologists and HR guidance counselors and everything you can imagine. But if you're just a regular person that doesn't feel called to niche down, start with seasonal. Yeah. And see, that's crazy to me. I've, I've never been a big person. but I know I bought things. Yes. I was trying to think when you were saying that, I'm like, what did I just recently buy off Etsy? It was a very personalized specific gift for my daughter for Christmas. Uh, it was a little Starbucks cup that had her name on it, but yeah. now I always thought of Etsy as like, um, crafting, like people, that was always my image of Etsy was like people toiling away in their house, making like beads, you know, like your head boy beads and comes to my mind, but I'm like making bead and necklace or putting in these hours and then just posting new things and hoping they sell. That was always kind of my image of Etsy. And like some people do well and some people don't. But you're right. And I've heard over the years and, you know, getting to hear about your story and talk to you that the idea of printables doing so well. And when you say Valentine's Day cards for the classroom, Valentine's Day cards for spouses, I didn't know you could do that either. That's so crazy. Um, and, you know, you talk about your stickers being low inventory, like, you know, very few things for you to have to store. But doing digital products, you're storing nothing. Yeah, it was even easier because I got annoyed by the tattoos out over a while because it's just like where I, when I went to the Women's March and I made some money, when you are in a day job, like that money, it's not actually as life-changing as compared to your actual work. So you're like, maybe I should have just spent two hours working and tried harder for the next promotion or whatever. But the idea with a digital product is it's scalable. 
So theoretically, that same two hours, instead of, you know, making X amount of money, I could make a thousand X if a thousand people will buy it. And that's where you start to get a little more advanced with this. So it's not just the handmade seller making dragon baby blankets, hoping that someone else thinks they're cute too. That's kind of, you know, basic Etsy, but it's, it's entrepreneurs and there's small business owners like me that we're trying to find, well, what are people searching for? I don't, I don't have a personal passion about anything. I'm going to give them what they want because I want to make the most money that I can out of my time. So that's where you're using keyword research tools. And you're saying, oh, 2000 people a month are searching for dragon Valentine's Day cards. And then do the next set of research. And you're like, well, I see the, this keyword. What does that mean? And you type it into Etsy and you're like, okay, what else are people selling in that space? You go on Pinterest you try to look around your world if you're in mom Facebook groups. I mean, I'm giving a lot of mom examples because I'm a mom, but yeah. we have people that are selling Notion templates who are project managers and they use Notion or OneNote or all these things at their day job or Excel okay. spreadsheets. Like it doesn't have to be, I'm giving examples that are relevant to me, but you know, whatever your thing is, I bet you there's a category in Etsy that is selling. I mean, some crazy thing. I don't want to say crazy because some people are into this, but like witch talk, if anyone's on TikTok, okay. yeah. there are people that, they are witches. Those keywords are hot. And I always see them and I get, I get very tempted. I'm like, oh, this is like a real, this is a good niche. But if you know nothing about this, there's a certain point where I'm like, okay, I really know nothing about this niche. Like I'm going to, if I try to do this, there's not enough research that I could ever do to like understand this. But if you are someone that's like into that, oh my gosh, there's a space for you on Etsy for printables and digital products, whatever. So there's, there's room for everyone really at this table and whatever you're into, whatever your day job is, I bet you there's a digital product that's selling on Etsy right now that's related to it. That's so crazy. Um, and so funny like that you say that, and I would never think of something like that. You said like spreadsheets and things, but I suppose there's people out there who that's what they're looking for. That's what they need. Um, so then if, if there are people, because more and more I'm realizing like people who love the idea of creating these products, and I know we've kind of talked about before, but like a lot of people don't know about things like Canva or people wouldn't even know where to even begin starting to create these templates where would you tell people to get started? Because I, I'm a Canva obsessed fan. Um, but I know, you know, there's like copyright things that a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to copy. I have a girlfriend who makes print, like she makes printouts for herself all the time. And I'm like, just put these on Etsy. You should just, you should list them somewhere, you know, because you've already made them. You should at least just post them. Why not? But she's like, well, what if it's copyright? What if it's copyright? So where would you recommend someone start? And how do they walk that line of making sure that they're not infringing on copyright? Perfect. So there's two things that you have to do. I'm going to give you the hard facts on the copyright in a second. But the first thing I'll say is as someone that has seen literally 10,000 people start an Etsy shop, tons of people have that same fear regarding I'm going to get in trouble. And it's because we're all like, type A gold star collector. We want to do the best we possibly can type people, read all the books and, and know everything before we get started. And unfortunately in business, it's uncomfortable in business. It's like what I was saying, where I was putting myself out there in front of all these people. And I didn't know what the women's March, did I need a permit? Yeah. Half the people wouldn't even have showed up because they'd be afraid that they'd get arrested. And I right. was just thinking like, no one's going to arrest me at the women's March and I'll like walk away if anything bad happens. You know, I'm not like a total risk taker. Actually, Cody, we laugh all the time because he thinks I'm so conservative and that I'm like, uh, I'm allergic to risk because he's very risk taking. He travels all around the world and, you know, whether he's on a helicopter or he's skydiving or whatever the hell he's doing, he's just all, all over the place. Whereas I'm like very, I, I don't take risks like that. But I do in my business, it's a mindset shift that I had to 
learn where you just got to, yes, bad things can happen. Bad things happen to everybody every single day. But do you want it bad? Are you afraid of it more than you want it? That's the end of the day. And I wanted it more. So I took, you know, calculated chances and I did it. So in the sense of copyright, yes, people do things and they make mistakes on Etsy. They make mistakes with Canva. But I don't want this to let anyone stop them because I've seen a lot of people where they're taking my course and they're reading that part and they're like, ah, I'm so afraid and I can't move forward. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta get past it. So my, part of my job is helping them, like giving them the information so they feel confident in what they're doing. But at the same time saying, you're never going to have all the answers. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an account. For, uh, I'm not a CPA. I'm not going to pretend to be one, but there's going to be a certain point where in a business, you're going to have to put your foot forward and just give it a go and say, you know what, what's, do I want this more than I'm afraid of it type of thing. So that's the, the mindset thing. The second piece though, in Canva, use Canva's free elements. Don't use the pro ones. Two, don't use their pre-made templates. Canva has thousands of templates of all different types of printables, but you can't use them as starter packs and create your own from that and sell on Etsy. You got to make your own design from scratch. You can look at the templates maybe to get an idea of what size to make something, but always start your new design from scratch. And Canva's free, by the way. So when I'm saying Canva free, just get the free account. A lot of us have pro because it's easier to resize and you can use the pro elements and listing images and things. So I think pro is worth it still, but don't put pro elements in like, like clip art and stuff in your actual printable. And then the third thing is stay away from Disney, Harry Potter, any copyright. If you're, if customers are attracted to your product because you're associating yourself with another brand that exists, then you probably are using their trademark and their copyright to make sales, which is not allowed. And there are a lot of ways you can look at some things that are kind of borderline to be sure. Now, is the copyright police going to come and get you? Your listing will most likely get taken down if you do that. You will see thousands of people selling things they shouldn't on Etsy. Like you mentioned the Starbucks thing that you want to get your daughter. I actually wanted to buy myself um, a Mickey Mouse Starbucks uh, long sleeve shirt for Christmas. I don't know why I saw this thing. I'm like, it is so cute. I want this. And I put it in my cart. And then I was doing other Christmas shopping and then I came back and the shop had already been shut down. Oh, so there are sellers that will make like they'll, they'll get away with it. And again, it's like, keep your eyes in your own lane. Who cares what they're doing? doesn't matter that they're getting away with it. They're on borrowed time. And eventually their shop's going to get shut down once they start getting successful or getting noticed. And they wasted all that time. And like, yes, it's wrong to use someone else's brand without a license, but it's also devastating for the seller because they just put way too much time into that and they didn't have to. You don't have to sell branded stuff. I've seen people make six figures on Etsy a year not doing branded things. You just have to try a little bit harder than the easy reaches, which are like the Disney and and the, all that stuff. So those are the things I'd say regarding copyright. Okay. I love I love that. That's really helpful and informative. I, mean, I love that you say that your students kind of bring that up and you kind of help walk them through that or nudge them through that because... When you say that, I was so perfect because you're exactly right. When you, you're going to make mistakes. And I remember having that mindset when I started my blog, kind of still being afraid to show my personality or who I am, you know, in the online space. Uh, but every book I read by like any entrepreneur, any book by any entrepreneur I ever read, at some point they failed, like so, something went wrong. And so my mindset wasn't, oh my gosh, they all fail. It was like, well, I better hurry up and start failing. Like I better get to this. That's part of the process. That's part of the success process is making mistakes 
So I better hurry up and start making them. And I did. My blog was awful. <laughs> it was so bad and it was so terrible. And I, I actually have had a copyright issue um, where I shared someone's image and sent back to their website and they were not okay with it, you know, but I've learned and now I know better as I go forward, that kind of thing. And like you said, Women's March, like you were like, I'll just walk away if they, if it's a problem, if it's a problem, it's oops, my bad, you know? So I really love that mentality because I think you're right, especially women, especially moms, women, we have this like, oh, I can't, oh, I shouldn't, you know, what if I get in trouble? What if this happens? What, you know, and, but it's like, there's so much freedom. What did you say? You've got to want it more, right? What did you say? Say it your way. <laughs> I mean, you have to want it more than you're afraid of it is really yeah. the end of the day. And, you know, I think this comes back to the fire movement because there are a lot of times I'd ask myself like, well, what if I died tomorrow? Like what I, you know, what would my regrets be? What I want to do X, Y, Z. And then it's like, well, what if I lived forever? And then how would, how would that change? And my mind is always like playing between those different realities. But I think being a working parent has made me realize a lot of things about myself. And I actually, I enjoy working. I enjoy online business. I think this is fun. Nothing is perfect. Like if, if I could offer someone the magic pill of like, you're going to, you know, do online business. You can make six figures. You're never going to be uncomfortable. All the things you hated about your corporate job, they're now gone. And it's never going to feel like you're working a day in your life. Like that's so fake, right? Like there's, I have bad days too. And my business has grown significantly since I first started. And now my lifestyle is hundred percent different than it was prior. It's, it's fantastic, but I still have days where I'm stressed or, you know, something happens and you make mistakes. But the difference now is that I get a huge share of the upside of the business. So as someone like a woman in tech, I'm not saying that I was discriminated against necessarily or anything like that. But I hit a point where when I had my daughter, I was like, had to be in or out. And in tech, I was starting to migrate towards more technical management positions. And if I, and my boss was giving me opportunities to do that. It wasn't like he was not, but I didn't have the time. And that was like a thing to me. Cause when I was younger, it was like, I would, you know, stay up to 2am and study whatever. I literally could not with my daughter and she had some health stuff going on. And I, we would have to go to the ER with her and things like that. And I just couldn't, I couldn't lean in the way that I needed to in that role. Whereas in online business, because everything's scalable, it's like I can employ other people. So whenever I start to get stressed, I'm like, Oh, I could hire three people to do this great idea that I have, or I think it's a great idea. And they can test it out for me. I don't have to be the person. I'm guess I'm like giving away some of the potential upside, but I'm like getting way more upside. I'm not being capped on salary. It's not like, oh, I need to work 60 hours a week to get there. It's like just the limits are not put on me the same way. And I absolutely love that. I love the flexibility of it. Now, if my daughter has an issue, you know, we're all sick after everyone in America has been sick the last couple months. Unfortunately, um, I've just, it's just been easier for me. So I love it but there's not days where it doesn't stress me out. I mean, some days it does, but most days are pretty good. So do you feel like, I think of like, I think it's Mark Manson, the one who like quote, like created the shit sandwich where he says like, you're going to have something crappy in anything you choose. Like it's going to be, you know, some sort of shit sandwich that you're going to have to eat. Like, so in the corporate world, it's working for someone else. It's working on their time in your world. It's, you know, it's when the problems arise, it's you that has to solve them, you know, that kind of thing. But you got to pick which which one, which problems sound better and more appealing. Do you still feel like you would pick your, your current shit sandwich? Yes, because when I was sitting in an office, right, like 
the company was signing agreements and they had lawyers on my behalf. So, I mean, unless I did something horrible, if I made a mistake or whatever, you make a mistake, you made a mistake, they're, they're covering you because they're paying for the legal and whatever. In right. your own business, you made that mistake. It's you. And like, if you make the wrong decision or, you know, you do the wrong thing, hire the wrong person, et cetera, it's just you, yourself and I. Now, luckily I have Cody and I think a lot of people don't get a business partner. Now you can get the wrong business partner and it can make it worse. But if you get the right business partner, you can double. So the reason that we've been able to grow, we're a seven figure business now is because we have each other. So we have another person to kind of bounce ideas off of and just getting double the stuff done is just a lot easier in the beginning, especially as someone that I was a working mom in the pandemic. I had no childcare. I had all this stuff. I was still working in my day job. And then I had this 27 year old that was quit his job and had all day to like do things for our business, which was amazing. And we, we've, you know, we've managed how that works and he's never, I mean, he, he saw what I was going through. So it wasn't like he was saying, Hey, you know, you haven't put in X amount of hours this week, but I would have to find ways to add my own value in terms of not a time-based way in terms of a strategy or whatever. Um, And yeah, we, we still kind of divide like that. I have more time now. My daughter's older. She's in in school and things like that. But he he's more interested. He loves conferences. He loves travel. So he goes and he does a lot of networking for us and bringing in new ideas and new people. And some of my interests, I still am the one that's sort of the interested person on Etsy. So my role is kind of bringing in yeah. that, hiring the people that are going to be coaches for us. And that's a big thing about what's different about how I think about our business versus maybe some of our competitors a lot of people, their course and their business is about them. But with with Cody and I starting as a two-person team, our students never really got like super, they they get attached to our stories, but it's not like, oh, like Julie's going on maternity leave. So I'm going to freak out. We have, you know, me and Cody, and then we have four or five other students that they're making 10,000 plus dollars a year on Etsy. And now they're coaches for us. And we have the gold. And it's not just like us. It's like Gold City Ventures is this business that teaches you how to sell on Etsy, but you're not like relying on one person's story. So that's where, you know, yeah, my story is bachelorette and seasonal stuff. But I mentioned Michelle Watson, our podcast host, she's an engineer, project manager, and her story is Notion templates and OneNote. Or like Sasha, she was a former accountant. So she's more budgeting and spreadsheets. And she has all these cool fillable PDFs that do calculations. And like, that's what she brings to the table. So, but by us like scaling ourselves, we could grow our business faster but then also we could like offer more value to the students because they're not just getting one person's way of being successful. They're like seeing people and they can figure out who they want to follow out of a list of people. I love that. And you're, you're right. Cause a lot of times you could, maybe people could hear your story and be like, well, that worked out for you. But now to have all these other people and say like, no, it's, it's working out for me too. Here's, here's what I did and here's what I applied and here's how it helped. And um, that's really awesome to know. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I've taken so many online courses that teach so many different things and yeah, it's one person teaching. So to know that you have like this big community, that's really great. Um, thank you. And yeah, it helps me as a busy mom, because anytime I start to have a mental breakdown, I'm like, Oh, I actually can do this differently. So an example, a month ago, I'm 37 weeks pregnant now, obviously in March, I'm going to take some time off and just chill out. And I was thinking we need to hire somebody else. And there's this woman in the course, Chelsea, she made 3000 sales in her first year on Etsy. She's a former teacher and now she's a stay at home mom. And she also sells on teachers pay teachers. And that's an area that I've never been a teacher. And I always have people asking me, Oh, you know, I'm a teacher. I want to sell on TPT. 
is what people call it. And I've never been able to offer that. And then I was just thinking, oh, this is perfect because I can hire her and she can add this expertise to the group. She's going to be available when I'm not going to be available. And she sort of helps like provide that broad perspective. So that's sort of how I think as a business owner. And I think one of the reasons Cody and I have been able to be successful pretty quickly, because we're always trying to make it about what the customer wants, and then also trying to scale ourselves out of the business. I love that. That's so great. And so then my final question to you would be, because I I think a lot of people might hear this, like, you know, maybe don't necessarily want the seven figure bank business, you know, that type of thing. Maybe they're just kind of wanting to learn how to sell an Etsy. Maybe, yeah, retire from their teaching job to be a stay-at-home mom, like Chelsea did. So I suppose, what do you think is like a realistic, is it possible for someone to start now and like in the next six months or something, make, like I said, like the thousand dollars was my goal for the blog. I was like, if I could just bring in like a thousand dollars a month, that would be so huge. Do you think something like that's realistic for like a six month gap? I think so. I mean, Chelsea, for example, she started a year ago. So she, and this is what I think is so hilarious about her story. There's a student, Rachel, that made $150,000 a year on Etsy. Now that's, there are people that they take this information and they're like, oh, I love it. And I'm just going to dive all in and go nuts for it. And she did. Now for me, I've always sold as a side hustle. I'm making $10,000 a year on Etsy. You could, depending on, you know, the space in your life, if you are in a space where you can lean in and go, you can, but if you're not in a space for that, I don't want to be like selling when someone's trying to sell you a dream, there's no secret solutions. Not like Rachel worked two hours a week and made a six figure business. Like no one that's, that doesn't happen. It's more flexible when you own your own business and it's for more scalable with an Etsy shop, but it doesn't necessarily happen. But anyways, Rachel was featured in media about a year ago and we emailed that out to our email list and Chelsea was on that email list. And we have tons of people. The email list has like a hundred thousand people on it. Not all of them have taken the course, only a fraction have, but she, she was like one of those people on the fence and she just decided like, you know what, I'm just going to learn this. And now a year later, she's made 3000 sales. So you can imagine if she sells them for $5 each or $10 each or whatever. I mean, we're looking at $5,000, $10,000 in a year. Yeah, I think she sells them for higher actually, because she was able to do this. It's kind of more of a, like a play towards a full-time income ladder. Yeah. But she's selling a teachers pay teachers too. But she just did that and say, oh, well you started in 2017. So I never can do it. I'm seeing students every day sign up. There's this other guy, Jake. He started in the fall. And he made 2000 sales in like three months. And the reason that I know these people is because I see them, we have a Facebook community and we have live things and podcasts. And I can, I just, the more you engage, the more I know who you are in the course, you could take it silently. And I have no idea who you are, but you might as well. I mean, you're paying for it. You might as well get one-on-one feedback from me or one of the other coaches. And then we know who you are. We can help you better. But um, he, yeah, he, he made this in the fall. So I guess what I want to say is, you know, it's a mindset thing. Like if you're like making a list of, oh, it's too saturated and all the reasons that, you know, I'm too afraid to do it, the copyright and I don't have the time right now and all that stuff, then you're, you could do that. Or you could say, this is really cool and I'm just going to focus on it. But the most important thing is not to get distracted because the students that don't do well, actually, they, they buy the course. And then I don't know where they went. It's like, then they bought a blogging course and then they bought a podcasting course and then they did X, Y, and Z. And now they're trying to be a singer on Broadway. And it's like, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Like, just focus on one skill, learn that skill as deeply as you can. We, we have a goal to get them to a hundred sales. 
And then we send them a gift in the mail and it's a big celebration. And part of it is just like trying to keep somebody focused on a goal until they get to hundred sales. And once they do, it's kind of like they've proven that they've, I don't want to say mastered the material, but they've proven that they kind of, they get it enough to like fly on their own. Yeah. And that's, and then we, we need to like hold them accountable to it. And you know, whether it's a pri- they get the prize of the gift in the mail, whether it's the, we get, we have them free membership and all this free stuff trainings when they get there, whatever it takes to kind of get somebody there. But that's what I need them to do. Like keep their eye on the prize, stay focused. And I've seen good results from our course because we do that versus, you know, who, they may think, Oh, why do you guys care? They already paid you let them run away. Right. And you know, who, who cares? Focus on the next person that might come in. But I didn't leave my job so that I could take people's money and not give them the result that they wanted. Right. So I'm constantly trying to build in things and incentives and prizes and games and challenges to try to get people to get what they want. Um, it does help me the more, you know, testimonials and things that I have, but also it's, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to, I'm 30 something. Like I want to think about what I want to do for my life. I don't, I want to see results. I want to change people's lives. I want to do all those things. So sometimes it's kind of necessary. I mean, some of us need a little bit of motivation. So anyways, that's what I think people should do. They totally can do it if they stay focused. Oh, that's so awesome. And you have a free guide for people to get started, right? Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. What is the, do you want to tell me about it? Yeah. So we have a free ebook. It's called the seasonal product secret that gives you 12 months of calendar ideas of how to basically how to sell printables on Etsy and how to do some light keyword research using Google Trends and E-Rank to get started. Or we have a workshop if they'd rather do it. It's like a 60-minute workshop where Cody and I kind of talk through the opportunity to sell printables. We go through specific case studies, some mindset stuff, and just get you in a place where you can evaluate whether this side hustle is for you or, or not. But I can give you the links to share with them for that. But they're both... Yeah, free. absolutely. I will link to those in the show notes. So I'll link to the ebook and to the workshop. So... If anybody listening wants to know how to get started, I love that. You get 12 months year round ideas to kind of get started with. So um, I'll link to those below. And I'm so glad we got the chance to sit down and chat. Um, It's amazing what you've done and how far you've come. And I think it's so inspiring. And I'm really glad we got a chance to dive into it a little bit more as far as the fireside goes too. So thank you for having me. I, I think yeah. financial independence is so huge. And even though I'm not a retire early person anymore, I don't regret ever having that as my goal because I've seen, you know, in the tech industry itself, how many of my friends got laid off. Some of my best friends got, just got laid off recently. And you would think I would feel more nervous being an entrepreneur, but I actually feel way less nervous because I'm in control. I'm driving the bus. I'm in control of my own journey here. And, you know, I've saved so much through learning about fire and personal finance that even if bad years happen, I have a good runway until I'd have to start making some hard decisions. So I I really am like all about people learning more about their personal finance in the process as well. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love. Until next time.